Bless you that they sing out like that. And guys, thank you for singing out and just uh, not being ashamed. Uh, that old trusty sword, isn't that, a, isn't that a blessing? We'll dig into that sword here tonight. Uh, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you'll stand with me. I want to read one verse out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then we'll go to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18. And here's Paul's exhortation here as we head towards the rapture. This is one of the things that will keep you on target. He says in verse number 18, in everything, that means the good things, that means the bad things, that means difficult times, good times, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So in everything, give thanks. Now we go into 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. You'll notice uh, quite often in the letters of Paul, there's something uh, very similar to this. Uh, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace. You'll find often in Paul's letters, grace and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So Paul said to this church in chapter 5, in everything give thanks. And then in the second epistle to the Thessalonians, he put that into practice as he gave thanks to God for that, those brothers and sisters in Christ in the church of Thessalonica. Uh, with that, uh, I, I want to tonight, we're just going to look at what gratefulness will do for you. And it's a very important topic here as we come to Thanksgiving, what gratefulness will do for you. And if you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer here this evening. Father, we thank you. Uh, this uh, wonderful privilege, again, to be in this place at this time. And Lord, I pray here tonight that you would direct our hearts and our thoughts and our minds towards you and help us to see and understand tonight uh, really the depths of things that we have to be thankful for. And I pray here that, uh, Lord, you would challenge us, and this might be a challenge that would be of eternal benefit here this evening. And Lord, thank you already. You've been so good. You've met with us. You're gracious unto us, Lord. And I thank you for Valley Bible Baptist Church. And uh, just as Paul said, he thanked you for the brethren in Thessalonica. We can thank you, Lord, for the brethren right here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. Uh, meet with us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. And I, I want to just uh, review a couple of things, background. I think it will make uh, really the thoughts that we're going to give tonight here a little bit more rich if we can understand the context of what's taking place. And in the background, the church of Thessalonica was planted by Paul the Apostle in Acts chapter 17. Uh, that church was birthed out of a time of persecution. In fact, Paul and Silas were very brief in the city of Thessalonica uh, unbelieving Jews stirred the city against the believers, and Paul and Silas were forced out of the city, 
forced to leave there for a brief time. They went to Berea and then uh, persecution, not Christians, but Jews from Thessalonica uh, came to Berea and Paul was forced out of Berea to Athens. And so uh, to understand this church was born in a time of persecution. Now, as Paul and Silas left the city of Thessalonica, that persecution continued in that city. And these are just baby Christians that are facing some difficult, difficult times. And uh, let me just make this really clear tonight. The, the Bible never promises that when you get saved, everything's going to be perfect. The Bible never promises that as a child of God, you will not have troubles and tribulations. In fact, the Bible teaches just the opposite. It's often in the trials and tribulations that God molds you to the character and image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not long after Paul left that some confusion entered into this church. Uh, There were some of the Thessalonian Christians that died. And so their question back to Paul, uh, what would happen to those Christians that died before Jesus returned? And so Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians to answer that question. And 1 Thessalonians deals largely with the rapture. In chapter 4, uh, Paul said that uh, the time would come, the trump of the Lord would sound, the dead in Christ would rise, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together uh, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so the Lord promises that those Christians uh, who have died and gone on before for the, before the return of Christ, uh, when that trumpet sounds, they will be resurrected, and uh, we will meet them. There will be a happy reunion. So he comforts them in 1 Thessalonians with that, uh, that thought. Now, after 1 Thessalonians, there's another question that arose. So this church is, is facing persecution. And uh, there was a false letter that uh, really uh, purported to be from Paul, but it wasn't. And that letter claimed that the, the tribulation was then taking place. And so as they're going through suffering, some saw, taught and began to teach that they were in the midst of the tribulation. By the way, I've heard that taught here recently, kind of been amazed, uh, just because of all the things that are taking place and uh, everything happening in our world today, and, and I've heard some that have related that we're entering into the tribulation. And I think the letter to Second Thessalonians, as Paul answers that question, really relates to us uh, here this evening. And so dealing with that issue, the tribulation could not take place until after the rapture. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 mentions there'd be a falling away first, then that man of sin, the Antichrist, would be revealed. And so in the context, first of all, would be the rapture, and that's imminent, and that will be unannounced, and that will be as a thief in the night. And we deal with that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, But after the rapture, uh, the Bible teaches that Antichrist will rise to power and there will be a period of seven years of tribulation and then the return of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation that's dealt with in Revelation chapter 19. And so it's very clear the order of events. And so I can assure you here tonight, we're not in the midst of the tribulation right now. In fact, as you study the tribulation, Uh, What is happening in our world today is just a little sand, grain of sand in comparison to what's going to take place and all the destruction and heartache and heartbreak that will happen uh, during the time of the tribulation. So we're not in the tribulation right now, but the Bible never promised that we wouldn't face difficulties, trials, heartbreaks, disappointments, discouragements. 
It's going to be a part of the Christian life. The Thessalonians were facing those tribulations. And that's kind of the background here as Paul opens this letter in 2 Thessalonians. And I want to pick up here at verse number 3 and just read these verses again, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Now, it's very evident, as Paul's looking at their situation, remember, he, he was just there for a brief time before persecution chased him out of the city. And that persecution, persecution continued with those baby Christians. And so Paul now, looking back to that church, he understands and he sees that the persecutions and the tribulations and the trials have actually worked to their benefit. And so he's grateful for their response to that tribulation. Now, I've heard it many times, and I think it's very evident as you look at the Bible, that tribulations, trials, testings, they'll either make you or break you. They'll either make you better or make you bitter. And that's going to be determined by your reaction, by your response to what you face. Now, for the Thessalonians, the, the trials actually caused them to grow, and that's what Paul is giving thanks for. And this is what I dealt with last night, and I just briefly want to review uh, some of those things that Paul saw taking place that he was grateful for in their lives because of the tribulation. See, for you and I, we can be grateful even when bad things happen because God's still in control. He's still on the throne. He, he always has our good in mind. And you can see this in verse number 3. As Paul looked at this church, he saw that the tribulations, the trials, caused them to grow in their faith. He says in verse 3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly. And so when you face difficulties, if you have your eyes upon the Lord, and you're grateful in the midst of those difficulties, your faith will grow you'll be drawn to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is what Satan tries to do. He will try to use the trial to separate you from the love of God. Uh, but the trial is given to draw you closer to the Lord. And if you will allow the trial to grow, draw you closer to the Lord and deeper into the Word of God, uh, your faith will begin to grow and to abound. And that's what made uh, some of the super saints, we might say, of the Word of God. Men like Daniel and uh, David and men like Joseph. And these were men that faced great tribulation and great trial, but their eyes were drawn to the Lord and their faith grew in the trial. So Paul was grateful. And then secondly, you'll notice in verse 3, the latter part, not only did the trials cause them to grow in faith, but the trials caused them to grow in love. He says that your faith groweth exceedingly. Then notice, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. And so it was evident that as this church began to suffer, face trials, uh, they were drawn not only closer to the Lord, but they were drawn closer to each other. And God designs the trials to do that. They grew to love each other in the midst of the trial more than they had previously. And again, if you respond to the trial with gratefulness, uh, that trial will help you and grow you. Uh, 
Uh, they'll either separate your home or they'll draw your home together. I've known homes that uh, went through some trials and tragedies and it caused division in the home. But I've known other homes that went through the trials and tragedies and it caused the home to be drawn closer together. I've known churches that faced trials, tribulations, and those trials separated the Christians in those churches. Other churches, through the trials, have been drawn closer to one another because their eyes were upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So your response, again, is so very important. Now, I'm, I'm really convinced that this is going to be a need, and, and if you can just grab a hold of this, I've said this many times, I'm fully expecting uh, some major difficulties for Christians if the Lord tarries his return. And it's going to be so very important that you keep your eyes upon the Lord. Don't allow those difficulties to break you. Allow those difficulties to make you. Uh, I think as I look at our news media today, they're trying to divide America. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're trying to uh, play upon racial tensions, uh, COVID tensions. Uh, we've come to a place where they're trying, the news media, uh, they're trying to pit the vaccinated against the unvaccinated and vice versa. And so the news media is working to cause tragedy, trying to make right wrong and wrong right. And it's going to be very important to be in the Word of God. And I've said this many times, uh, the closer we come to the return of Jesus Christ, don't allow the difficulty to separate you out of the church or out of the fellowship that God has given to us. Let those trials in the future draw us to each other. We're going to need that help that comes. And that's what happened to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, the trials grew their love for each other. In verse number four, uh, the trials were used of God to grow their patience uh, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience. And Paul's saying, as I speak about the church in Thessalonica and other churches, I speak about your patience. I give you as an example of what it's like to endure through trials. He says, in your faith, uh, in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Now, the way God grows patience is through trials. Okay, so you pray for patience, you're praying for trials. You, you pray, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. Okay, you're going to go through some trials. That's God's way of growing you. And patience simply means to endure and continue steadfastly in the things of God despite all that is about you and that is around you. And so again, those trials are designed to grow you. And that's why Paul, as he looks at the church at Thessalonica, he says, I thank God for you, brethren. I look at all you're facing, but I see what it's doing for you, and I have a grateful heart because of that. I see you growing in your faith. I see you growing in your love for each other. And I see you growing in your patience and your endurance. Now, don't have time to look at these verses here tonight, but you can write beside verse number 4, uh, Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Uh, you can put Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Uh, James 1, verses 2 through 4 and verse 12. Uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13, and all of those verses will express exactly that thought that I gave us tonight. That's why the Bible tells us when you face trials, tribulations, rejoice, uh, because God is working patience. He's growing your faith and your love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is grateful. Now, that's a long introduction, 
but I don't have a long message here tonight. What I want to take and look at is just build upon that thought. And I want to look at tonight what gratefulness will do for you. See, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He put that into practice as he wrote the second epistle to the Thessalonians. He was grateful. He was a grateful person, and he often expressed that. Now, just four simple thoughts for you tonight. First of all, gratefulness will keep you focused on what you have and not on what you don't have. So often, we're ungrateful because we focus on what we don't have or we focus on what's wrong. Now, you think about Paul. He was forced out of Thessalonica. He faced persecution. The Thessalonians came to Berea and forced him out of Berea. Paul was constantly facing persecution. And then he witnessed, as he left Thessalonica, that tribulation continued for the Thessalonian believers. And so, probably had I been Paul, I would have been complaining uh, about that persecution and how I had to leave Thessalonica and I had to leave all these baby Christians and this place where the Lord had called me and that ministry would appear to have been lost and it would have been easy to complain. But instead of complaining, what did Paul do? He said, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren. See, Paul looked at what he had and not what he didn't have. Instead of focusing upon that persecution, he focused upon the growth of the Thessalonian Christians and how that persecution was used by God. Now, some things can't be changed in your life. Uh, some things, and God never promised again that the roses would have no thorns. He never promised a life without difficulty. Uh, see, Paul would not complain. Instead, he was grateful for what God had done. And so often we think about what could have been or what should have been, and we forget what God did. And so gratefulness will keep you focused on what you have, not on what you don't have. Okay, second thought here. Now, well, let me, let me just say, that's, that's a tremendous lesson. Well, we need to learn that. How many times are we ungrateful because we think about what we, we don't have, what we think we need? Uh, what we're lacking. Uh, the fact is tonight, uh, every one of us, we have depths of things that God has given to us. How many of you are saved tonight? Wow. You'll never go to hell. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. And here we are complaining about what we don't have? Wow. We've got the Bible. We've got church. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, thank the Lord for Valley Bible Baptist Church and some students in school today. Uh, they were thanking the Lord for school. Oh, wow, not a blessing. That's good. They were realizing uh, we got a good school. We got some great friends, some wonderful students. We have a good time. It's a family. They were thanking the Lord. We have Christian friends, provisions, life, health, peace. God's given to us so very much. So let's focus on what God's given to us and blessed us with. Gratefulness will keep you focused on what you have, not on what you don't have. 
Now, here's the second thought. Gratefulness will keep you focused on Christ and not on yourself. See, so often ungratefulness is born out of selfishness. When it's all about me, I'm going to be ungrateful. But gratefulness turns our eyes upon Jesus. That's what Paul said. Look back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. Paul said, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. His eyes are focused on the Lord. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. So his grateful heart turned his eyes off of what he was suffering and put his eyes onto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me show this to you, maybe a, a, a very clear illustration. Keep your place in 2 Thessalonians. Go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 17. Luke chapter 17. This thought that gratefulness will keep you focused on the Lord, not on yourself. It's so clear here. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it came to pass, as he, this is Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, that's a lot to be grateful for. And one of them, now there were ten, but one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face, or face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And, and it seems evident, that though ten, or ten were healed, uh, nine of them went on about their way, and their focus was selfish, but the one thought about the one that healed him. And he went back to the Lord Jesus Christ to give thanks unto the Lord that touched him. And that's that thought tonight, that gratefulness will focus you not upon yourself, but it's going to focus you back upon the Lord. Gratefulness is going to do exactly what it did for this one leper. It will take you back to Jesus. And it's evident he, the one coming back to Jesus, because he was grateful in heart, received more than the others. He received salvation. He received not just physical healing, but he received the cleansing of his soul because of this. So gratefulness will focus you upon Christ and not upon yourself. Now, thirdly, gratefulness will keep you focused on others and not on yourself. See, again, Paul faced difficulties, trials, tribulations. Rather than complaining, he thanked God for the people in his life. How many times have we done that? Thanking God, not only for Jesus and what he's done, but for others, for people. Now again, look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, and this very clear thought here, verse 3, Paul, in all of his trials, said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. See, Paul's not focused on his trials, his tribulations, 
But he's thanking the Lord for these Thessalonians, these Christians in Thessalonica. Uh, turn to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter number one. I uh, love the book of Philippians, uh, one of the most joyful books in the Word of God. Paul, this is one of the prison epistles of Paul. What that means is the book of Philippians was penned from the Roman prison. He wrote this while in jail, and he wrote this while probably uh, considering that his life may not last much longer. And so here's Paul, uh, probably, had I been in that situation, would have been worried uh, about what's going to happen, what's the future going to hold. But look in Philippians chapter 1, in prison, what does Paul do? Verse 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And so Paul, not focused on himself and not feeling sorry for himself in prison, but what does he do? He's focused on others. He said, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you see this in Paul's life? When Paul could have been fretting about the future, he was thinking of the Thessalonians. And as he thought about them, he said, I thank God for you, and I pray for you, and I pray for you with great joy. And I remember your fellowship that first day. I remember that day in jail, and I remember that midnight hour, and I remember how that jailer got saved, and he was a part of this church. And I remember that slave girl coming to know Jesus Christ, and I remember Lydia and all of that household coming to know Christ. And Paul had fond memories of those Christians in Philippi. And so from jail... Instead of focusing upon himself, he's got a grateful heart for others. Well, see, so gratefulness will keep you focused on others, not self. Now, be grateful for others, and that will transform you. Uh, think about a child. child's always negative, complaining. Uh, uh, mom and dad, it's never enough. Always want more. Uh, you know, if you turn that around and you thank parents for what they've given to you, that'll keep you from being selfish. Uh, I think of the husband. The wife could never do enough, never please him, but a grateful heart would go a long way. Uh, a wife having a grateful heart would go a long way. It would focus on others and not on self. And that was the heart of Paul. Let me give you one more thought. Gratefulness is going to keep you focused on the positive and not on the negative. Again, the letter to Thessalonians, a lot of negative happening. We've mentioned the trials, the persecutions, there were false teachings taking place, and Paul found the positive. He said, I thank God for you. And again, I thank God you're growing in faith, you're growing in your love, you're growing in your patience. I thank God for you. Uh, what did Paul do? He looked at the positive. Uh, and as he, as he did so, go, go back with me to the uh, book of Philippians chapter 4. And uh, Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians chapter 4, this becomes so evident here. In Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Again, from the prison house, Paul's saying that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 6, chapter 4, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your request be made known unto God. And here's what Paul said it'll do for you. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, that's what a grateful heart will help you to do. A grateful heart will help to keep your mind at peace. A grateful heart's going to keep you focused on the positive, not the negative. A grateful heart will give you pure thoughts, wholesome thoughts, uh, thoughts that will please the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the challenge that I want to give you tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We ought to be doing this every day. But I'm grateful that we set aside one day a year uh, to give thanks. Here's the challenge that I want to give you tomorrow. Take time to be grateful. Take time to thank God for what you have and not for what you don't have, okay? Not being complaining about what you don't have. Uh, take time to focus on Christ and on others and not your selfish needs. And take time to thank God and to be positive and not negative. And if you'll do that, I think Paul, that's what gratefulness will do for you. If you look at the life of Paul, all that he went through, and what a wonderful, wonderful challenge he is to our life. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Uh, with that, let's bow our heads tonight.